When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome one, welcome all to another episode of Tales of Tamriel. I have to say thank you to the Elder Scrolls community this past week for your amazing support and comments towards this project. The support we have gotten has been very uplifting, far more positive encouragement than I expected, so I was very pleasantly surprised. I've gotten offers of assistance from people uh, if I needed any help with anything. We got positive feedback and even helpful tips from other podcasters on how to make our podcast better. It has just been amazing to have the community support, and we thank you for this. Real quick, I have another funny story for this week. Um, I was out shopping for some groceries for my wife, Thais. She had asked me to pick up a few things on her way home from work. I had forgotten my headphones for my phone, so being the type of person that I am, the not caring what people think of me, I had my phone just playing the different Skyrim songs that were redone by Maluka. If you haven't listened to her yet, she is amazing. You really should look her up. Anyway, as I was shopping, I was just listening and singing along to the songs. Yeah, I know, I'm that weird. I heard another voice coming from behind me. This young lady actually had been following behind me and heard the music and started singing along with me. She comes up laughing, going, oh, I love these songs. I I assume you love the Elder Scrolls. And uh, we talked for a few minutes about how awesome the Elder Scrolls universe is. And I mentioned uh, the Elder Scrolls Online. This made her ecstatic. She was like, oh, I cannot wait for this game to come back out. Or come out, and um, so I asked if she had pre-ordered yet, because at that day they had all um, released the pre-orders, and she informed me she had already placed her order for the physical Imperial Edition at GameStop, which I thought was kind of funny because I had just purchased two copies for Thais and myself. Um, I actually followed that up by introducing her to our podcast, saying that we are going to discuss the topic when we record next. And she was so excited, she pulled out her iPhone and subscribed right there for our podcast. So this is a little shout-out to her. Thanks for being an awesome part of the Elder Scrolls community. All right, now it's the time that I introduce my host for the evening. Um, As always, we have my co-host, the dagger-wielding, arrow-flinging femme fatale, she who feeds on your tears, my amazing wife, Thais. Thais, how are you this evening? Wow, that was amazing. I want that as my epitaph when when I die. I I love that. I'm I'm good. Just uh, excited to be doing our second podcast. I can't wait to get the discussion started and to tell my cute little story about my adventures in Skyrim. Awesome, awesome. Uh, we also have a special guest host with us tonight. Uh, let me introduce you to Warren. Warren, the anathema of all Khajiiti culture, he who ripped 
Secunda from the Skies. Warren, tell us a little bit about what got you into the Elder Scrolls series and what interested you in the Elder Scrolls Online. I'm glad that you introduced me with the uh, fact that I removed Secunda. We have to touch on that later. But um, no, pretty much I started uh, with Morrowind. I have never played the first two, although it's on my list. Um, but I started with Morrowind and played through that. And uh, and then I didn't really play Oblivion too much. I only played it for about five minutes and I kind of got frustrated because I couldn't figure out how to get out of the starting. Well, I don't know if it was a jail or a dungeon. The, the sewers, yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of like, what kind of game is this? Like, I you know? feel your pain. Because <laughs> that, at that point, in I, I think I was in what was I? I think was in like middle high school or something, and so it was. I was into the you know the st- straight up Call of Duty style, like all right, let's just go and like get stuff done. You know, I wasn't really too much into the role playing stuff, and so I kind of got frustrated. But then when Skyrim came out. Um, I picked up Skyrim, and and I had also, at the same time, within the same month, just built a new computer that was it's pretty powerful. Um, and so I started actually playing Skyrim, and I got hooked. That was so sweet. I, um, I pretty much did the whole game. I completed the quest lines, all the, uh, all the, the guild quest lines, the uh, separate, you know, what is the um, the Dark Brotherhood, the Thieves Guild, all those um, uh, College of Winterhold, as well as the main quest? And so, right. pretty much, I just kept I just kept playing it, and then I got the Dawn Guard extension and played that. But this is the kicker. I don't know what happened. I don't think I've ever told you this. I don't know what happened, but uh, somehow my save got corrupted with the with Dawn Guard, and I lost everything. No. So I kind of just quit, and I never I have yet to play. The Dragonborn extension, but as you know, uh, as you know, uh, a journalist, that I will be playing it very soon. I actually just reinstalled it, and I am starting the game again for the third time. So, anyway, that's me. Awesome. Sorry, I talked a lot. Awesome. No, that that's awesome. We love hearing all of that, and uh, definitely one nice thing about Dragonborn is you'll be able to reset perk points by using those leftover dragon souls. So uh, maybe you can remove one of your 9 million modifications because you'll have a purpose for dragon souls now. Right, right. So the, so the dragon souls in the Dragonborn expansion actually serve a perk purpose? Can you fill me in on that real quick? Yeah, yeah. In uh, Dragonborn, uh, there's a point later on in the main quest line where you can expend... Um, expend uh, uh, dragon souls in order to respec or refund your points without having to legendary a skill so say you went to put a point in i don't know one hand sword you put it in axes or something and then you got dawnbreaker and like well great well now i just lost that point you can use a dragon soul to refund that perk point back to you so, oh so you don't actually get extra perks no it's a refund uh, type it's thing a switching. So. okay gotcha. without having to use console commands or anything and right gotcha. possibly uh corrupting your save um, all right. Uh, let's see here. We're going to move on to game news now. Um, pr- it's been an insane week for news. Um, first off, we're just going to talk about the uh, new ESO wallpapers. I don't know if anyone's seen these yet. I have them all up on both my work PC and my uh, and my home PC, and I have my screensavers. Um, <laughs> I love these things. I love the artwork from Zenimax when they release these kind of stuff. It looks like what we got going on is they have a uh, Dwemer Ruin 
I said that right this time. Ruin. Ruin. <laughs> the halls of what is it? the uh, oh the vault of madness and Toothmall Gully. From what I hear, these are actually going to be um, a type of group dungeon or a dungeon in the Elder Scrolls Online. Have you guys seen these yet? I have not. I haven't either. Although I, I'm pretty partial to the background I have now. I don't think I'll ever be able to get rid of it. It's a Zelda background. It's the whole theme for my desktop. I just love it. Ah, uh, Zelda. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, we'll move Traitor. off that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Trader. All right. Uh, wallpaper's all nice and good. I, I adore their art department, so I'm always big on that. Um... Big news on the PS4 front. PS4 has announced, like this came from PlayStation that, uh, and Sony Entertainment, that they um, PS4 will not require you to sub to the PlayStation Plus service in order to play The Elder Scrolls Online. Um, however, the X-Bone will still require you to do that. So, looks like Microsoft really is... Uh, not weighing in on that unless they change their mind. What do you guys think? I'm completely against Xbox anyway. I, I don't like how the system seems to constantly break. They don't have any games that go to any audience. They're always targeted for specific groups of people. And I, I think that Microsoft, Microsoft is just really screwing themselves with their choices. What about you, Warren? What do you think? Well, um, I haven't really owned a console since the Nintendo 64. To be honest, I'm much Good more... Good console. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I'm much more of a computer guy, mainly because, and as I'll talk about later in the episode, uh, I, I like to be able to modify the games. I like to be able to have much better graphics. I mean, my uh, I have a GTX 780 Galaxy Hall of Fame edition right now, which pretty much crushes anything but the Titan right now, so... I mean, you know, I, I like to be able to have the um, the expandability and customizability of a computer. So, um, you know, it's good that, that PlayStation is it's not requiring a paywall or much of one to play uh, The Elder Scrolls Online. That'll definitely have, uh, you know, it'll definitely open up the user base for sure. Um, I can't really comment too much on, on Microsoft's... Uh, Strategies, although to say that I just think they're kind of backwards and and um, they're they're a lot more concerned about their bottom line. You know that that's the thing about Microsoft, and so uh, you know that's that's pretty much my take on it. You would think a company though as big as Microsoft wouldn't be as concerned about the bottom line because my goodness, they could just throw money at anything. But true, they they do. They have weird policies like the uh, the the always authenticating. They actually went back and changed that later. Um, they also went back on the changing the when you install a game it goes to the hard drive and authenticates to your hard drive and if you don't have the serial key or whatever it finds you they went back on that because that would have killed the uh, used game market because you couldn't you, you once you installed it that was it you were done you couldn't sell it back to GameStop or even loan it to your friends that would really have hurt me. I'm always finding used games. I always go back and, and remember a game that I somehow don't have anymore, and I have to get it. I, I'm glad they took that away. Right. Well, hopefully... Now, this won't say that uh, 
Microsoft won't change their policies because they've well, done that already. Real quick, to catch up to. Oh, go ahead. I just want to interject here um, that I, it seems as if you guys might not have heard this news. Microsoft just found their new CEO. They oh, are really? replacing Steve Ballmer. Yep. Um, Steve Ballmer actually decided to resign in the midst of the whole uh, Surface RT uh, losing $900 million. They had to write down, but that's beside the point for this podcast. But uh, long story short, he is resigning, and they have just selected a new CEO of a huge company like Microsoft, the third CEO to ever be there. Um, Gates is still the chairman of the board, but that's it's a very oversight role. He's not in the day-to-day decision-making or anything like that. So, um, you know, there definitely could be a change on this if they do a restructuring. Uh, and, you know, they, they, just, they could very easily change their policies, is what I'm saying, because there's a lot of change in the midst at Microsoft right now or the next year or two. Oh, that's awesome. I actually I hadn't heard that, but yeah. Um yeah, I could see they they are not unaccustomed to making changes to keep up with the competition cuz like the whole the whole always being online thing, they changed right. that cuz pretty much after they announced that PlayStation did a uh uh com- you know, a conference and went, "Hey, we don't require that." And you know, a lot of their fans started flocking to Mm-hmm. Sony because they're like, hey, who wants to do that? Who wants Big Brother watching us all the time? But uh, all right, I think we've we've talked enough about that. I think Xbox will probably change their policy because they're just alienating their players then, and that's not what they're after, especially if they're after bottom line. All right, moving on to the Ask Us Anything um, Pack Twelve. I'm not going to read over all of this because this is, you know, game news is a small part of our podcast. But there's one particular question that they answered that I wanted to bring up because it's going to lead into our discussion topic. Um, first question on the line is, do people who order the Imperial Edition gain a big gameplay advantage over those who don't? Zenimax answers with no. With the Imperial Edition, you get the opportunity to play as a rogue Imperial who has broken from their Daedra-worshipping ways. And you gain a unique racial skill line of equal gameplay impact to other races' unique racial skill lines. As an Imperial, you also get a mount and the automatic ability to craft items uh, in the Imperial style. All non-Imperial races will eventually be able to learn this anyway after locating the corresponding racial motif. Imperials do not begin the game in a unique starting location or via a separate quest, but they can start in any alliance as benefits their status as an unaligned outcast of their own province. Being an Imperial includes a racial skill line that offers unique gameplay opportunities, but there is not an overall gameplay advantage. It is an opportunity to set yourself visually apart in the lands of Tamriel. Gameplay benefits within this edition have been designed to avoid bestowing unfair advantages over players who do not purchase this special edition. This is cool content designed for some of our biggest fans who wish to have something different from the other collector's editions in the market. The only other alternative would have been to offer a collector's edition that offers no in-game items whatsoever. That simply didn't seem fair to fans who have been excited about this game and want some special digital items. That's we're gonna, I'm not going to ask any more about that because we're going to go into a discussion topic on that. Next part of our news is... 
you guys saw the trailer, The Arrival, right? And I know you guys have because you were all You showed it to me. Yeah, yeah, we put it up on the uh, we put it up on the wall here. Uh, Warren was over, and we were playing with his computer, and we actually put it on a projector and projected it onto the wall and brought Thais out, and we all sat down and watched the uh, new trailer. So uh, what do you guys think of that? That actually goes in with the developer question, too, of the week. It was like, after seeing the trailer, what was your favorite part of the trailer? What do you guys, what do you guys think? I want to be that elven woman. I want her skills. I want her aggression. She really seems like she fed on people's tears in that video. And that is what I want. The video was just fantastic. I, I really enjoyed watching it. It probably helps that it was gigantic through the projector on our wall. And it, they did a really good job with the video. The anchors coming down from the sky. They made it very epic. It was it was enjoyable to watch and just made me anticipate the game even more. Yeah, um yeah, I had similar feelings. You know, that that Alvin woman, I want her too. Yeah, that's <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um no, but seriously, the rival trailer I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, no, I, I stopped that I want her. You must have missed the joke. Um just her, period. Like No, no you, she didn't miss the joke, dude. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, the arrival trailer is—it uh, was really cool. I mean, the—I—I uh, I, again didn't really play Oblivion, so I, I was kind of confused with the whole thing coming out of the sky. It was really weird. Um, but you know, Agelis told me exactly what that was and, and, and how how that pertained to the—not the, the storyline, but you know, lore and and exactly what that was. So I thought it was pretty cool. Um, you know, but the uh, the way she took that. That thing out of the sky was neat. I want to know what magic she put up, that that circle thing. I want to be able to do that in, in ESL. So, um, I would imagine the- that would be a type of ward. Because yeah. that's essentially like if you play Skyrim, you have those physical wards that you see. It's mostly in front. Like people put their hands up and put a physical ward. But that looked like a, a ward, but it was a dome. Right. Uh, I, I'd be interested to see if they offer something like that. I'm, it's a trailer. I think they do things that they won't. I wish they would have pulled in more gameplay kind of stuff, but uh, it would be neat if they, you know, Easter egged us with that and found out that was a hidden ability of like a destruction staff or a restoration staff or something like that. Cause it does seem like a, uh, a cool restoration staff ability to be able to create a dome around you to protect against. Oh yeah. Well, I think the purpose of that trailer uh, was not to, um, to advertise gameplay, but more so to, show people what the world's like, show people what, um, you know, just what ESO is sort of all about. You know, you have the aspect of fighting was in the trailer, you have the aspect of the Daedra was in the trailer, you have the aspect of the size of the world was a big thing, you know, you have to think mm-hmm. about exactly what they were trying to convey. It's like when, the, uh, when, the, when they were up at the very end of the trailer, when they're on top of the wall, they look out at the Imperial City. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the size of the world in ESO, hopefully... You know, from playing Skyrim, it was pretty big, but hopefully it's a lot bigger and, and more grandiose and everything. And that's, I think, what they were yeah. uh, pushing at. So, Oh, definitely. You don't have to worry about that. Um, they've already said that the each faction is roughly... I think this was in a uh, de- developer interview somewhere. Each faction is roughly nine times the size of Skyrim as it's currently mm-hmm. showing. Each faction, not including Cyrodiil. 
And Cyrodiil is like six times bigger than any zone in um, any individual zone. So, Well, this goes back to last week's podcast. That makes me very happy that there's teleporting. <laughs> oh, no. Walking it. Oh, I don't care if it takes me 12 hours. You guys will wait for me. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Um, that leads us up. Pre-orders. Pre-orders opened up. And... That's going to go right into our discussion topic for the week. How do you guys feel about the Elder Scrolls Online Imperial Edition perks? Because that's kind of one of the things they announced with the pre-orders. And for those who don't know exactly what the perks are, I don't know why you wouldn't know. But uh, essentially, the major perks are if you pre-ordered, you get five days early access, three days if you ordered the standard edition, um, retail copy five days for the Imperial edition um, and um, let's see oh play any race in any alliance the Scuttler vanity pet you get bonus treasure maps there's those mud crabs that ate your face the mud crab yes exactly you know I was saying the other week I wish I had one and I'm glad I do now um the crown jewel of the entire announcement, to me at least, was the inclusion of the Imperial Edition, the physical copy of the Imperial Edition. Um, this thing has a 12-inch Moleg Ball statue, because who doesn't love to have one of those? And if anyone has seen the video of Laurent Schick unboxing it, by the way, I love that man. He is my hero. Um, he, he's hilarious. So they get this awesome statue of Molly Ball. You don't really want to put this on your nightstand because that's the last thing you want to do is wake up in the middle of the night and roll over and see that. Oh, heaven. That's awesome. Uh, there is a map of Tamriel for the physical edition that you'll be able to hang on your wall. From what I understand, I think it's a 16 by 16 by 30? I think that's what it is. It's fairly large, I think. If I remember correctly, I'll have to look up the exact dimensions later. Um... One of my favorite parts, and I know Thais feels this way, and uh, Warren, I believe you feel the same way about this, the Emperor's Guide to Tamriel, the 224-page illustrated guide. Um, yeah, I really it, want that. Oh, I know. I cannot wait to get that thing. Have you have you watched the video from Lord Schick for the unboxing? I have not. Oh, he, no, no. you'll have to look that up because he actually takes, you know, he un unboxes the entire thing and pulls it out it looks really cool like when he was holding it up uh it almost looked like it was leather bound i doubt it but it looked like it i don't know it looked really nice um yeah that was really cool now that was for the physical edition now the digital will have all this stuff these uh digital copies you will have the ability to play as an imperial um You'll be able to get the Imperial White Horse right off the bat in all characters. So that that's kind of nice. My favorite, the Mud Crab Vandy Pet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mud Crab. <laughs> and the Rings of Mara, which will allow you to perform the ceremony of Mara with a partner in game. Sorry, Warren. I'm already married to Thais, so. <laughs> I am so happy to get these rings, because there's nothing that I enjoy more than to tie down my husband and every aspect of his life including games so wait the rings of mara are virtual not physical 
Yes, these are virtual. Right. They're in-game. Essentially what happens is you get one. You get two copies of them. And essentially when you perform the ceremony, you give another one to another in game, like another player. And anytime you are adventuring with them, you get an experience boost. I think it's 15% experience boost while you're adventuring together. Nice. Yeah. That's, cool. that, that's really cool for, like I said, couples like uh, Thais and I. We always play together. We're always together all the time. So It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Now, so, is that the only way to obtain Rings of Mara, or can you get them otherwise? I'm glad you brought that up. No, they're actually said they are available in the game later on. We don't know how, but they've they have I have read that where they said that they are available later on. So I know people were like, "Oh no, they're gonna have an unfair boot." It's really it's a benefit at the beginning because you bought it, you get it early. I believe you're able to buy them later on and maybe use them for a, another character or something along those lines. Or you can use it for your main character later on, but you have to earn them in game. So it'll take you longer. Whereas the people who buy the Imperial Edition get it at the start. Gotcha. All right. Um, that is that for the Imperial Edition. So the major, the major news and discussion topic we want to talk about is what did you guys feel about these pre-orders like and the, and the benefits that you get from them um Ace, go ahead i think it's fantastic everything that they're including in this imperial edition is exactly what i would expect from the elder scrolls online i i am most excited about getting the horse i love to collect mounts and pets and just to have and i you know i love teleporting so just to be able to have this faster form of travel right off the bat is something that's fantastic to me i am kind of lazy i don't really want to walk everywhere i i also like that they're adding the option to play as this special race not that I don't like the races that are already out there. I love the Dark Elves. It's probably what I'll still play. But just having that option to play this special race because you bought this Imperial Edition, I think that is a wonderful addition to this collectible item. Warren, what what did you? What were your first thoughts on this? On on the. Uh... Pre-order in general? Yeah, like the pre-order bonuses and stuff. What were your first reactions? Well, like she said, the horse. I mean, that that's pretty sweet. And, and, if, and the fact that it can run faster is uh, is also pretty cool. The Rings of Mara, I have to find an in-game girlfriend, so uh, it'll be a task. And, oh, man. <laughs> I know, right? And then... Um, Ladies and gentlemen, he is taking uh, applications for that right now. If anyone's yep. interested, you can email Tales of Tyria Podcast at Gmail. We'll get that application to him right away. <laughs> yep, for sure. And um, and so, you know, the biggest thing to me was that book. I mean, that's that's the book, the horse, um, and, and you know the the also the fact that you get five days early and all that other stuff. But the what would cause me to buy the physical pre-order would be that book. I mean, that's that's pretty cool, and the map and everything as well. Um, I'm a big physical thing guy, um, you know. So if there's physical bonuses and stuff, and you know, that's that's what would sway me. So that's that's my take on that. Awesome. We, Jellos and I already have a wall with our giant Skyrim map 
So having that physical map come with a special edition makes me really happy because we'll have another map to add to our our in-progress wall of maps. So that I'm really happy about that. But this one's the whole Tamriel, I, I believe, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. It is all of Tamriel. Yes, you have, like, everything. Yes. All right. Now, getting into discussion, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. There has been a lot, a lot of negative talk about this. And I think a lot of this is coming from... Now, given, I'm not saying anything bad to these people, but... The Elder Scrolls fan base that only played the single-player games, and which is why I'm very glad we have Warren here, because he's, he's an MMO noob. Um, the things that they're thinking about these pre-order editions, and I want to get everyone's take on this. We're going to start right off the bat here with the... No one really cares about Vanny Pets, whatever. The treasure maps. There's already going to be treasure maps in the game. There were treasure maps in Skyrim. I think this is just going to be a bonus. At the start, you get a handful of them. It'll help you get some early access gear. Not really. I don't think that's a big problem. Do you guys see any issues with that? I really don't, but I can see why that would have people up in arms. I, I don't, personally, no. Yeah, I, I mean, from what I gather, especially even in the MMO community, other than the few collectors that are out there, I myself, I'm a collector. I like doing that. I've had people who don't care. I mean, it could be like the rarest little Vandy pet in the game. They, they'll delete it. They're like, oh, all you had to do is add it to your character. Like, I don't care about those things. You know, some people really don't care. So that, I don't see an issue with those. Um, the Rings of Mara, I've heard issues about. But like I said, I think they're available in-game. I think uh, Zenimax has come out and said that. Um, but even if they weren't, do you guys feel that the Rings of Mara um, benefit is overpowered to too much what exactly yeah. is it 15 xp or something 15 percent xp i think is what it was stated so and this only works when you're with the person yeah. so you have so, to be partied with the person in order right. to For get people it. like you two who um you know who are always with each other i think over time as you like if you play a lot and you're always with each other it could um you know, depending on how that stacks, definitely could uh, get to the point where it could be unfair. But, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that um, they have to be available in game. I mean, I haven't looked it up, but, you know, I'd be shocked if, they, if you could not obtain them elsewhere, uh, you know, after doing some quest or get to some point. So, Well, see, they've already said, and this was later on, they were talking about being able to have this type of marriage ceremony in the game. I don't think they use the word marriage because the guys like if two guys and whatever want to get together, whatever, we're not going to call it marriage. We'll just say it's a partnership that you perform this ceremony and it's available. So they've already said this months ago that there was going to be something in game that you could do. That was like a type of marriage ceremony that would benefit in this way. And I, I really think this is just a people who spend the money on the, uh, on the Imperial Edition, get it early. So you get it from day one. I don't see a problem. Um. I don't see it as a problem either. Whenever you buy a special collector's edition, those people always get things early or get things special, but not everyone can get these collector's editions. So of course there's going to be people who are unhappy 
that they are not getting the special treatment. But that just goes with being a collector. When you get these special editions, you get these special items, doesn't necessarily put you ahead. I don't think we're going to have an unfair advantage at all because we're not just maybe grinding animals or people for experience. We're going to be doing quests and we're going to be exploring. We're probably not going to be using these rings to their full advantage. It's just people get unhappy about any old thing. I will preface this with saying that I believe that the physical Imperial Edition is the only thing that's limited. I think there was even a, a, a post saying that you'd be able to buy the digital physical or digital Imperial Edition going forward at any time, and anyone who bought a standard edition will be able to go into their account and will be able to upgrade to the digital Imperial Edition for the difference in cost. So these, so the it's white- not limited. No, 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 no. Only the physical. The physical is then, limited. Then the, nobody has any reason to complain, in my opinion. I mean, if you, you know, it's, 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 if it's, if the physical things are the only things that are limited, and all the in-game perks are able to be bought. See, here's the important factor: they're not discriminating. See, they take a lot more flack for that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to say this real quick. You know, the fact that anybody can buy these, it, you know, it just with X amount of dollars is the only factor. So the only way that I could see people complaining is if is about the price. I mean, and people who are willing to pay more should get more. So, you know, anybody who's complaining, you know, just be like, all right, how about you just go buy it? That way you get the perks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the game's going to cost money anyway. I don't know. Anyway. No, I agree. And I mean, anyone who says, oh, this is unfair that people, obviously doesn't know how capitalism works i mean you mean you can go buy the same car but i get a standard edition you get the luxury model it's technically the same car but you get the you know the 20 disc cd changer you get the you know integrated mp you know on star whatever the case may be because but you shelled out the extra money the luxury now the leather seats the moonroof i'm like well mine doesn't is it is it can i claim that's unfair Right, exactly. We both we both got we got the same brand of car same year, but he just he he flopped down an extra fifteen grand for all the all the luxury. That's not fair. I should have them too. No. That's exactly. Stupid. But yeah, no, the uh Imperial Edition digital will be around forever. So I mean and if you guys have um bought collector's edition in the past, to be honest, I didn't think this was that expensive. I mean for the physical Imperial Edition it was after like taxes and everything was like $115. I think we paid more for our Guild Wars 2 collector's edition than we did for this Imperial edition. Oh, we did. Oh, we did. Um, I think the they were $150 outside of tax and everything like that per one. Um, and we bought two because we're both huge nerds. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, the guy rolled him out at GameStop and was like, yeah, thanks for the, like, almost $400 in sales. Yeah. I, I was like, for $400 in sales, you should carry them out to my car, too. Actually, he did. He offered. That was the funny part. He's like, do you want me to carry these out to your car? Because I, I kind of feel bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's some people are complaining that uh, the major thing that's going to bother them is... I'll say the Imperial horse and the Imperial. 
Now, the Imperial horse is not any faster. It's just an extra horse with a special skin. Like, you'll be able, Warren, you'll be, if you didn't buy this. You told me it was faster before. Is it not? Did that come out that it was not? It's not fast. Well, it's faster than walking speed, but you can buy mounts in game. The horse is in game later. Like, you can buy different horses. It's just as fast as them, but you don't have to pay the Okay, I thought it was faster than the other horses. I thought so as well, but it actually came out. They did a uh, an Ask Us Anything, and they're like, no, no, it's comparable to the other horses. It's just a uh, just a unique skin. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> yeah, so when you're riding around on your white Imperial horse, you'll be the if you didn't buy this edition, you, no one else, you, there's no way of getting it in game. So you'll stick out from the people who didn't spend the extra gotcha. Imperial. So it's, it's Here's banned. a quick question on my noobishness. Uh, can the horses die? In, in MMOs, generally, no. Uh, okay. Horses are almost like a... Um, think of them almost like a spell or a physical item that you carry around. Like, you can equip a horse. Because um, there's there's been... I'll say this. They've actually posted this. This isn't breaking any NDA. Because they posted screenshots from ZeniMax of this. Of the character model. And one of the things that they had at the bottom was what your active mount was. And what you do is you essentially slot a horse in there, and then when you use the ability to summon it, whatever the hotkey is, the horse just appears and you can ride with it. It it won't die like Skyrim, which is good because I've been banned in Skyrim from buying horses. I after his fiftieth dead horse, I told him he was no longer to jump off mountains with horses Wait, because he would kill out? one every hour. Were you able to actually kill Shadowmere? I have killed Shadowmere. Oh, I uh, accidentally <laughs> fell off the throat of the world with him. Oh. I lived. He didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I killed horses like crazy because I would use them to scale mountains and walls. So, yeah, I, I'm not allowed. I'm on the most wanted list. Every, every farrier in Skyrim says, no, don't sell horses to him. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the Imperial horses, they're, they're like an item and it's a vanity item. The big hot button issue is the ability to play as an Imperial. Cause from the start of, of this game, everyone assumed the Imperials were not available to play. And I know there's been an outcry by the community, like the Elder Scrolls community to play the Imperials because people, you know, like, like myself, if they said Nords weren't available, I'd be turned off from the game, to be honest. I really would. Because Nords are kind of my identity from the very start. If they're like, oh, Nords are the main bad guy and you can't play them, I'd be like, ooh, I don't really... You know, I would lose a lot of interest just from my personality. Um, but people are calling this a pay gate that this was offered and it's not available. What, what do you guys feel on that? I agree with what Warren said earlier. If you pay more, you should get more. And to be able to to play this special race because you bought this special collector's edition, it it, it just makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah, I'm with her. I mean, you know, it all comes down to what you're willing to pay for and how much you really care about it. I mean, people... There's a very easy response to somebody who is like, oh, well, it's paywall. All right, well, buy it. <laughs> you know, I mean, the only reason that I can think of that would be 
an issue is if someone is like you know poor to the point where they would not be able to buy it but you know I mean what else are they buying with their money are they buying cigarettes are they buying you know everybody has their vices everybody has something that they spend their extra money on and if it's not this game they can't you know complain uh, about and, and if you're so poor that you can't even afford any vices at all maybe you should not be playing the game and I agree your, your I actually <laughs> I wrote that exact same thing down when they announced the uh, subscription fee for this game. People are like, well, I can't pay this now. I can't afford that. I'm like, if you can't afford $15 a month for an entertainment, maybe you should consider, you know, getting a better – looking at your uh, fiscal right. fiscal um, situation situation before you attempt to, you know, like this is this is entertainment. This is like HBO. Come on, guys. You, if you're paying for HBO or something like that, you're paying for an entertainment venue. This is what you're paying for. If you really can't afford it, if your money's too tight, and you know what? I know there's a lot of people out there who have money issues, but if you have money issues that are that bad, maybe you shouldn't be playing games. Maybe you should look at improving your quality of life. And if you can afford it, and you want to play as an Imperial, and you want the special skinned horse, and you want the mud crab nipping at your heels, then pay the extra money and get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... I, I have issues when people call this a pay gate because people don't seem to understand what a pay gate is. A pay gate is when you get up to a certain point and they go, sorry, you can't go any further until you uh, until you pay us this. Uh, one of the perfect, if you guys have ever played in um, the Lord of the Rings Online when it went free to play, that's a pay gate game because essentially it's free to play. You can log in, you make your character, you're good to go. But every couple levels, you have to buy quest packs. Like in Skyrim, let's just let's just take this into Skyrim for instance. A pay gate would be you get out of Helgen, all right, yeah, la la la. You run down to Riverwood, you get the White Run, great. You do all the quests there. You're awesome. I want to travel to Markarth. You get to Markarth, and you get a pop up on your screen going, "Well, thank you for playing Sky, you know, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. We hope you enjoyed your experience. We have a plethora of quests available to you in Markarth, but you have to unlock it. Please give us $5. That's a pay gate. When they block off content that you cannot access access unless you pay money is a pay gate. Right. Um, having it, playing an Imperial, this does not stop you from playing the game. Make a Dunmer. Make a Nord. You can access every quest, everything in the game. You just can't be an Imperial, which is, you know... For those who've played MMOs and bought these things, MMOs since the beginning of time, when you've done Collector's Edition, had unique exclusives. I mean, and this isn't even the first game that's offered races. I mean, I think, uh, oh crud, I can't. I wish I could remember one of them off the top of my head right now. Uh, I think one of the EverQuest games uh, offered that if you bought um, a Collector's Edition, you you could play a special race. I think it was Drow, or no, it was a it was a Neverwinter game, one of the Neverwinter games that you had to buy a Collector's Edition, and it would allow you to play as Drow that were not available anywhere else. So this is not new in the world of games. So I don't know why people are making such a big deal about this. Um, but yeah, this seems to be one one big uh, button issues. All I can say is that I have the collector's edition and I am really excited to try out 
this imperial race and i know that i'm gonna take about four hours designing my character because that's just what i always do and if you want to play an imperial then get your hands on the collector's edition right right and you know what i'm gonna be frank with you guys imperials suck you guys played them in the other games their (laughs) racials were terrible anyway no one wants to play them (laughs) <laughs> I, I really I think I should write I'm more angry that that this is a benefit of the collector's edition because Imperials they suck. So <laughs> I just I want to write an angry letter to Zenimax. Dear Zenimax, your your uh, collector's edition benefits suck because I hate the Imperials. Their racials are terrible. I want another mud crab pet. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> he right. wants a horde of mud crabs. I do. I, I will siege every keep in Cyrodiil with an army of mud crabs, and you know what? I'll win. Because mud crabs are overpowered. Alright, next part of this is... And this is another big one. And this is one that I I both like and I don't like. The Explorer's Pack. Now, the Explorer's um, Pack was only, to our knowledge, and Zenimax has not announced this yet, and I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on this, and I'll get into it. Um, that only pre-orders get the Explorers Pack. Again, there's a Vanity Pet, the Scuttler, the bonus treasure maps, and the early access. Who cares? The big, the big one is being able to play any race in any alliance. I can make a Nord and join the Almari Dominion. I don't know why I would want to, because they are dirty, filthy elves. But I could if I wanted to. Um, what do you guys feel about that? Do you feel this a breaks the lore they set up for the game? Because if you guys, I know I'm probably the only one who's played uh, Dark Age of Camelot here, but they set up a free or a three faction war, and there was hate between the three factions. Like I was Hibernia, and I absolutely hated the Albion players and the Midgard players. If someone said they played those, I was like, oh, I can't be friends with you. It really did. It, it created a type of rivalry that was really cool. And they were setting this up. But now with this um, Explorers pack, you'll be able to make your character anywhere. So do you feel this breaks the in-game lore? And B, do you guys think this should be available at a later time for maybe like a DLC kind of like, um, uh, you know, the upgrading... To an Imperial back, you know, Imperial edition. Could you upgrade to uh, Explorer's edition? What do you guys think? I, I'm kind of torn about this. I, 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 I kind of feel like it does mess with the lore, but at the same time, a real life person is going to have their own ideas. So there's nothing to say that an actual Nord individual would not agree with the ways of the old Mari Dominion. While in the game, yes, it is kind of lore-breaking, but at the same time, it makes sense that those individual races, that that individual person, would probably change their mind. So, it's it's hard for me to, to make a decision on this. If I'm going to play a Dark Elf, I'm definitely going to stay within my faction. But a Dark Elf two towns over 
might not agree with their faction and would want to change. So that's that's kind of how I feel on that topic. So your if I may your your question is uh you know how do we feel about the fact that you can move around um if you pre-order, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll be able to I, I will preface this by saying you you can pick any faction when you create a right. character. You can pick it. Now, you're going to be stuck with that faction going forward, so there's not going to be hopping back and forth. But yeah, you'll be able to, instead of when you pick Aldmari Dominion, only being able to pick Wood Elf, um, High Elf, or Khajiit, you would be able to go, okay, I'm picking Aldmari Dominion. All ten races will be available to you now to go in. So, if I understand this correctly, um, you can pick any race and also go to any of the three lands so to speak the regions uh yes yes at Um, at start um you can do that later on through the 50 plus and 50 plus plus so they're not locking out tamriel even before they weren't because if you were you start out as a nord you could then go to the ebonheart or not the ebonheart the daggerfall and do all their quests through a uh in-game lore thing later it's just your faction now, are you able to switch? Like, you know, say I start in the Aldmari Dominion as a as a Nord. Um, are you able to then switch, or are you stuck there? At, like, because you said at start. Like, yeah. No, you are at start. You have to declare your allegiance, and you're stuck there. Okay, so all this perk does is allows you to pick any race to, and also start in any area. You're not locked to where the races are from. That is correct. Okay. Well, I mean. I think, uh, man, that's that's a tough one because, you know, again, anybody can pre-order, but, you know, the only people this would hurt are the people that either didn't know about the game before it came out or the people that just decided for some reason or another not to pre-order. Um, but, again, as you said, they're not locking it out. Level 50-plus can do it, but... I really feel like this benefits the people who really care about the game because you're going to pre-order it if you really care about it. And that will give you these perks. And, I mean, you know, I, I think, again, going back to what we said before, it's 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 okay, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's, it's also the faction war as well because that's one of the big things is when you're part of a faction, when you go into the – Cyrodiil PvP zone, you are fighting for that flag, if you will. Right. Um, so, yeah, that... I don't know. See, my big problem with this is I love it because that's how Elder Scrolls is. If if you... Pl- like, you played Morrowind, and I played all of them. Mm-hmm. When you start out, you are... If you actually notice this, this is interesting. I don't know if anyone actually knows. When you start out and create a character... You notice how it's always one race that starts off? It, it, like, even, it's not alphabetical order. When you go through the race listing, it's alphabetical order. But every time you start a game, whatever the race of that is, you start. In Morrowind, I don't care. You boot up Morrowind right now. The first race that's highlighted, Dark Elf. Because it's the Dark Elf. That was what their, you know, their storyline was. In... Oblivion, boot it up right now. Create new character, Imperial. Boot up Skyrim, Nord. That's like because as much as they give you a freedom to pick whatever you wanted, 
the developers in their head when they wrote these stories are writing them from the perspective of a certain race. And while Skyrim is very open and Oblivion, same thing, it's actually kind of lore-breaking if you play anything else in Morrowind. Because the whole, you know, for you guys who haven't played the game yet, you know, too bad, I'm going to spoil part of the story for you. You're essentially a reincarnated Dark Elf, uh, Indril Nerevar, who was slain, um, oh my goodness, during like the first era. He was slain, and you are said to be a Nerevarine. You are the reincarnation of Indivor Nerovar, which, since he was a Dunmer, kind of seems weird that he'd be reincarnated as a Nord, but I played as a Nord. But they give you that freedom at start. So this Explorer's Pack is really cool because it gives that freedom. But the problem is they've set up the lore that the three factions are at war. Yes, I know there's going to be defectors. But I see this actually causing more of a problem down the line because those people who pre-order, and we're going to be, trust me, if you played any MMO or any online game that goes for a long time, the first players, normally within the first 60 days, you have your biggest drop-off of player base. So even people who pre-order and go, oh, the game kind of sucks, kind of like what happened with SWOTOR. Um, not saying it, Elder Scrolls will suck, but that's what happened. The, they had a huge drop-off in player base. Even the people who pre-ordered stopped playing. So eventually, and as new players come in, the pre-order people, the Nord who is fighting for the Aldemari Dominion or the Daggerfall Covenant, is going to become a rarer and rarer site if they don't offer this either as an upgrade to your account or maybe something you can unlock down the road or maybe an expansion pack. But that, to me, doesn't seem like a bad thing. To be one of the lone Nords fighting for the Old Mari Dominion, I would want to be that person. I think that that is a benefit that the select few of what the collector's edition should have. You should be able to be that odd man out because you have defected. And the only thing that the factions are there for is for the world PvP. You don't get any special bonus for being in a particular faction. So being able to freely choose your faction is not that big of a game breaker. I, I could see that. And I see that's what I'm torn about because I like that, but I feel like I, it's almost like I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot with this because people will eventually complain about it because, oh, the, the Explorers pack is very, very Elder Scrolls. I will give it that. But it also is a terrible idea for the three-faction PvP. Because look at uh, World of Warcraft, for example. Uh, there were only two factions that, Horde and Alliance... But what what did what did we do when we uh, when we wanted to switch servers? We didn't just pick a server that sounded cool. We looked on the different websites to find out is this a horde heavy or an alliance heavy, because we wanted to go to where we would find the players. Eventually, that's what's gonna happen. Is you'll see the people going. There's gonna be a faction that's very popular, and everyone's gonna play it on every character. You know what I mean? Like Ebonheart. We'll say it's Ebonheart Pack, for instance. Ebonheart Pack will have everybody in it because everyone, you know, 
90% of the people who like Elder Scrolls games, it seems, started with Skyrim. They want to be in Skyrim. And, right. you know, everyone's going to be Ebonheart Pack on every character. Well, then Ebonheart Pack is not going to have anyone to fight. Yeah, that's a good point. I was actually thinking that, too. I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but, you know, I was always wondering, you know, what if what if uh, one of the three regions has 90% of the people in it? Like, that's kind of... You know, I wonder if there's a way to not enforce, but encourage rather uh, equal distribution or at least somewhat, uh, you know, equal distribution. That's that's going to be interesting to see, you know, going forward, uh, you know, and they may need to offer slight perks to some of the ones that are, uh, you know, what they should do, in my opinion, because you can't change what people are going to do. What you can do is find out where most of the people are going to go. And then try to stabilize that. Try to, you know, okay, well, if you pick the underdog, if you pick the one that's going to get only like 5% or 10% of the people, you know, you get, I don't know, some bonus or something. I don't know. I mean, that's that's one way they could they could handle it because, I mean, uh, but it might also might not matter. They might not even care that only 1% of the people are in, you know, dark elves or whatever. So, I don't know. It's me. I... I actually disagree. With the option of the Explorer Pack, people that started in Skyrim, in the Skyrim game, they're used to playing a Nord. So they'll want to play a Nord, but they already know the Skyrim world, so why would they want to start there? With this Explorer's Pack, it means that someone can play a race that they enjoy, Nord, for example, but start off in another faction, in another land. So in a way, this is a good thing. It will spread people out more because they'll be able to play a race that they enjoy, but in a land that they don't really know as well. I, I think that this is a good thing, and, and I'm looking forward to see how it plays out when the game comes out. I, I think this is a good thing, too, and this will also help. Like I've, uh, I've turned down guild invites because they were going for a faction I didn't want to be. So I think a lot of times this will help people who are excited for the game, who want to play together. But I know people who are like, oh, we're going to play Aldmari Dominion. Um, for instance, uh, another podcast I listen to about the Elder Scrolls, I think their guild is going to be Aldmari Dominion. But I know the characteristics and the personality of several of the people that are playing. And while the majority of their guild is like, yeah, we'll play for the Aldmari Dominion. The, some of the hosts are like, well, I kind of wanted to be a Nord, or I, I kind of wanted to be a Dunmer, because these are the races that I played, like me, when they picked up Morrowind, they picked up Oblivion, when they picked up Skyrim, that was their identity in Tamriel. And yeah, they wanted to play with their friends, so they, they bit the bullet and went, fine, I'll play a dirty elf or, uh, you know, Khajiit. Um, but, you know, that might not make them happy. That's you know your wife point. is a dirty elf, right? Just, just gotta put that out there. Dunmer are different. They're hedonistic and kind of you know, nighttime telly kind of way, so they're okay. That's a very good point about um, about the fact that people are able to, you know, move around like that. Well, we, we've talked about this when I first talked to you. I'm like, uh, you love the Bretons. That's kind of like your go-to race. But as it was before, we couldn't play together if you were Breton, because that would have been Daggerfall Covenant. Right. And I am Evan Hart Pack, because I'm a Nord, and Thais is a, a Dunmer, and that's Evan Hart Pack. Uh, so we would be locked out from each other. Now it's a little different, but do you feel like this, you know, 
eventually this is gonna hurt the people coming in later right right for sure how do you think it's gonna hurt the people coming in later because then they're locked in exactly they're they're gonna have to make the decision that all the rest of us were mentally preparing for but now like you know let's say i make a nord on on daggerfall and sometime later a friend of mine says i'm gonna pick up the game and oh i'm gonna join you i'll be a nord too oh Oh. you know how you could get around this even though it's just make a breton well right yeah but i mean literally literally get around this it's kind of underhanded but you could buy a couple pre-order copies so you have the pre-order cereals and then if your friend uh your friend says, oh, I'm going to pick up the game. Be like, all right, yeah, buy it from me. Here you go. Now you can be whoever you want, wherever you want. Well, <laughs> now, just just so the audience knows, I'm an econ major. So I uh, I kind of am always, you know, trying to figure out, you know, either ways to make money or, or how the world works in that kind of way. And I just thought of this just now. People could make a market out of this. People could buy a whole bunch of pre-order, digital pre-order copies and serials of this game. And then sell them on eBay and be like, hey, this is a special one where you can be who you want, where you want. Boom. And they might actually go for a premium down the line. Or did they block that ability out after the start of the game? Um, it, it would. You know what? Actually, I've seen people do this already, especially with physical collector's editions of other games where they would buy them. And when they were no longer available, would sell them again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's definitely a market for that in MMOs. But again, that's it. It depends. Maybe, maybe uh, Zenimax will put like I know uh, Guild Wars Two did this. Um, you only had two weeks to put your brief. That's what I was in. gonna say. Yeah, they're gonna block. Yeah, that would make sense. It, that would. Make sense. And uh, as you know, that we had the hard time ordering the two copies because uh, there was a limit on physical. Because I wanted a physical and I wanted to get one for the East. They put a limit on the IP locked me essentially because I bought one because they were like nope one per customer I actually had to remote into my home PC and do one from home and order one from work so I had two separate IPs you know from my knowledge I'm sitting there going what does the retailer care they're getting the money but I know probably Zenimax came down and said no no only one per customer so you have to have unique IPs so because we want to share this out to everyone we had two people buying it I was just buying it for my wife so I'm not breaking no walls here but, you know, that just seems to be one of the things that they, I think they'd probably put a, a limit on, definitely. When it comes down to, what it really comes down to is, if you're a Nord playing in the Old Mari Dominion, and your friend wants to play a Nord with you, but can't be in the Old Mari Dominion, then he just has to pick another race. All the races have their 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 racial abilities, and they they have their unique look. And once you're in the game, and you're starting, and you're doing your journey, you're finding your your armor, and you're getting into the game, and you're with your friend. It's really not going to matter that much what race you're stuck with, because if it's between playing with your friend or playing by yourself, you're going to want to play with your friend. And you're going to want to play in that faction with your friends. So I really don't see this being that big of a deal. But again, as everyone knows, I will feed on your tears. So I really don't care. I definitely think that I am in the minority of people. Like, if I can't play exactly what I like, 
a little bit of the game dies for me. I'm sure I'm in a, a minority here. Like, I mean, there's people with preference going, yeah, I'd prefer it, but look, people were making the choice of, you know, all right, fine. If everyone wants to play Albemarle Dominion, then I'll pick this. I'm sorry, but I'm pretty diehard set in my ways. If someone's like, hey, I want to play Albemarle Dominion, I'd be like, well, have fun. I'll uh, smash your face in Cyrodiil. I'm a Nord. Leave me alone. That's... Here's a quick question. After you hit level 50, though, you can then move to other lands, right? Not just Cyrodiil. That is correct. Um, For the... This really only affects, like I said, your starting starting spot. Because in reality, everyone can do every... of, Of the three factions, you pick an order. And they get more difficult. You have the leveling, 1 to 50, which is your starter. You have the 50 plus, which is everything is leveled to 50 and you play it at a harder difficulty. And then you go to the third faction, whatever it is that you want to pick, and you play through all their quests and storylines at 50 plus plus, so that's kind of like small group content kind of stuff. But you still have to play it with your faction. The only thing your faction really locks you into is the faction war in Cyrodiil. So... You know, and t- you can't talk with the other faction, at least yet. They actually said they might change that later, but as of now, it's it's still in place. Um, so yeah, no, you're. It's not like you're going to be blocked off from seeing all of Tamriel. It's more of how how races are going to be distributed at, at the start, really. And um, I don't know. I I love the idea, but I I'm of the note of. All right, we'll just start from scratch here. Let's just say this is this is good. All right, everyone's okay with this. We're happy. We picked our races. They were at pre-order. Do you feel this should be available later on, or do you feel you know what this should have only been a pre-order? What do you guys think? Pre-order only. This should only be available at the very beginning for those that really want it. The die-hard fans, the serious collectors. This should be special for them. I think they should, uh, oh man, <laughs> I think they should make a way for this to be available later, um, either through a very hard quest or money or um, just some way. I think that there should be some way so that you know people who either find out about the game later or get into the game later um, you know, didn't have to be around at X time. Uh, you know, so that they could get this perk, you know, so they can play with their friends on whatever thing. But definitely should be exclusive. Definitely shouldn't just be, all right, you know, here, pay 10 bucks, you can start wherever you want. Should It should be either difficult to get or, um, you know, sold in limited quantities at times. Like, okay, on March 1st, 2015, we're going to open up a uh, thousand orders of being able to switch or whatever. You know, I don't know. That's just my take on it. But I doubt they'll do something like that. Yeah, I, I like see. I like this. I I know why they did this. This was definitely a a nod in place to the diehard Elder Scrolls fans who go, Elder Scrolls is about freedom, you know. And those diehard fans are the ones who are gonna are who have been following this game, you know. Like MMOs grow. Like people will hear about it later and they'll be going, Oh yeah, I remember Skyrim. I didn't really play it much, but I heard it was good. I'll try Elder Scrolls. This, I think, was definitely a nod from ZeniMax to the diehard Elder Scrolls fans saying, you want freedom? Fine. Pre-order will give you freedom at the start. I, I love the idea that this is exclusive, at least at the start. Um, 
I, I, I just, I'm thinking like, like you, uh, like you said, Warren, going down the road. You know, for the masses, I really don't care about the masses. The, the nameless faces, masses. I just say, I'm sorry, you missed out. But I'd really feel bad if one of my close friends, like Warren here, Warren, if you didn't buy the game at launch and you were really dead set upon playing your Breton. Right. Um, and then you couldn't play with me if I picked somewhere else. You right. know, I mean, yeah, you can make another character, but I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a one kind of character kind of guy. I play the same character for years in MMOs because that's it, it's constant content. I just keep going back and bringing it forward and starting the pro- prospect of starting over is not something I look forward to because mm-hmm. um, you do. You grow attached to your character when you play them for a long time. So, you know, for the nameless, faceless masses, I love that this is exclusive and a nod to the Elder Scrolls fans. I, I'm still somewhat torn um, that for friends later on down the road. I mean, again, some people aren't as tied to their race as I am, but, you know. And I also think that the first few months, at least, at least the first month or two, the Cyrodiil situation is going to be kind of interesting because everyone who will be playing in that first month or two, 95% of the people are going to be pre-orders and the, the faction is going to be all all over the place. And I'm not worried about balance issues because they're mega server technology, which is kind of interesting, Warren. You'll get a kick out of this. You're talking about the uh, factions. Mm-hmm. Cyrodiil has instances. So when you go into Cyrodiil, you are assigned. This is Cyrodiil instance one. Okay. Jealous, you're assigned Cyrodiil Instance 2. Now, you'll be able to join your friends and stuff, but this is just for an example. So when I go into my Cyrodiil, we could both be standing in Shaden Hall, and we won't see each other, because we're technically in a different instance, or a different server of the game at that point in time. And they have soft caps going, okay, we will allow, for ease of numbers, we will allow 100 of each faction in here. And after that, so you have 100 Aldmari Dominion, 100 uh, Daggerfall Covenant, and 150 Nord trying to, okay, I want into Cyrodiil version 1. It goes, okay, we'll let 100 of you in. Um, well, we'll make it 110 because you guys are friends, so we'll, that's why it's a soft cap. But the, the 40 of you, we're going to push you to Cyrodiil version 2 for balancing. So I don't think numbers will be an issue. I just think at the start it'll be... I don't know how they're going to differentiate in PvP. Um, especially with mixed race. If I see it before, if I saw a Nord, hey, look, it's a Nord. He's automatically my friend. Now I'm like, mm, maybe he's not. You know, you don't really know. So that'll be interesting, at least for the, at least for the first month or two. And to me, that'll add so much more depth because of what you just said. And I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Uh, any uh, any other thoughts on this discussion before we uh? move on uh not for me i'm good all right all right well that was uh that was an awesome discussion guys that was really really cool um all right now we are gonna go into the personal story time the tales of tamriel and as always we're gonna have ladies going first so thais why don't you entertain us with a story from your adventures in tamriel all right. Well, my my favorite stories, at least until ESO comes out, are always from my very first playthrough in Skyrim, because everything was just so open and so new. 
And when I was thinking this week about what story to tell, one that came to mind was, was one that really shocked me and made me sad. I remember when I was first heading to Riften, because I was really excited to get into the Thieves Guild and I just wanted to steal everybody's crap and I wanted to pickpocket everybody that I saw. And as I'm walking to Riften, I come upon this gorgeous glade and it was uh, the um, Autumn Shade Clearing. And it was just so pretty and there were these fireflies just twinkling around the glade. And it looked so nice, so I, I walk in and there's there's nothing that I can see, no enemies, just light coming in through the trees. No enemies yet, but now that there's no enemies, the further I'm walking, I'm going, oh, this probably isn't a good sign. So I walk in a little further and then something pops out out of nowhere. And my immediate thought was, wow, this is gorgeous and it was a spriggan and anyone who's seen the spriggans in skyrim will know that they look very naturey kind of like they are made of twisting bark from a tree They're, they kind of glow green and they have wind twirling around them with like leaves and they just look so nice and I, i'm thinking oh i'm gonna be friends with this spriggan although most objects in this game want to hurt you, but my immediate thought wasn't that this Spriggan wanted to hurt me. So as I get closer to this Spriggan, I don't have my bow out, I don't have any of my spells, I'm just walking up to this creature, and the Spriggan attacks me once, saps all my health, and I'm dead. And I think at that point I was a little shocked, because I don't know if it was the Spriggan that killed me, or if... Something came at me from behind. I had no idea. I was so upset. And of course, I'm meticulous with saving. So I, I brought up my save point, which was right around the glade. So I walk into Autumn Shade Clearing again, expecting to find what killed me. And there's this Spriggan. Like, oh, what a nice little Spriggan. I walk up and I die a second time. It just saps my health. Then I finally think to myself, well, maybe it's the stupid Spriggan. So when I load my save for the second time, I walk into the glade with my my bow drawn and I knock an arrow. And I'm aiming at the spot where this Spriggan has appeared twice now. And as soon as it pops up, I'm so sad because I have to shoot it with an arrow. So I, I loose my arrow and only a little bit of its health goes down and it starts shooting these green things at me and I'm running and I'm trying to dodge. It's already too late to stealth, so I can't stealth behind anything. There's no rocks that I can see. And I maneuvered around the back of the Spriggan and more Spriggans popped up and I died a third time from this creature that I thought was so beautiful originally. So on my third save attempt, I pop up and now I'm ready to kick some butt because these brigands have now killed me three times in a row. I so have I go no in. sympathy for you. Uh, all I'm going <laughs> to say, no sympathy after my legendary. None. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> little, little three deaths, whatever. It was hard breaking to me because I was already in love with these gorgeous Spriggans and they're just, you know, killing me relentlessly. 
so I have my bow drawn, and now I'm ready to just kill them all. But this time I stealth in. The Spriggans don't really work very well with stealth. They they kind of automatically know that you're there when they pop up. You can see your little stealth eye getting bigger and bigger. So before it completely sees me, I let loose as many arrows as I can. I kill the original Spriggan, and I turn around. You know, there's two more Spriggans, so I, I kill them. And I'm looking down at this dead Spriggan's little tree knot, because for some reason that's what they leave behind. And I'm just, I'm so sad that I had to kill this beautiful creature of, of nature. So as I'm standing there over its dead carcass, I... I feel very sad and disheartened that I had to kill this, but I was glad that it only took three tries <laughs> to, to to finally finish my first glade. So that was that's my story for the week: me versus the Spriggans. I hate Spriggans. They are awful. <laughs> they're relentless and they're strong, and you you don't picture that when you first walk up to a Spriggan. They just look so serene. And then you're dead. Ouch. Pretty much. I, I still don't feel bad. Three deaths is nothing. Going back to my last week's playthrough, the the Dustman's Carn, you know, the night that seemed to never end. Three deaths. Man, I died three deaths before I walked through the door. <laughs> uh, am I going to have to tell my story of the Sightless Pit next week? I think where I died 15 times while standing on the very first pipe with my bow and arrow. That experience I will never forget. All right, we're going to save that one for next week then because don't want you to go into that one if you're not ready yet. And that sounds like that would be a fun one. All right, uh, we'll move on. This uh, Warren? Uh, I was going to say, I think you should go next. Uh, All right, all right. I'll definitely go next then. That's fine. I'll try to be nice and let the guests go first, but... I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out uh, what, I, what I'm trying to... Uh, <laughs> no problem, buddy. No problem. I'll go first. <laughs> All right. So, my playtime. Uh, we'll go... Again, judging from last week, I've uh, restarted my legendary game, and we're going to continue through that, because this is what I'm going to work on until ESO comes out, is I'm going to follow through this story. Um... I picked right back up where I was after the horrible trek through Duskman's Carn that never ended. I decided we're going to start hiking back. And Fendril is finally, for the first time, or Farkas, not Fendril. I left him back at Riverwood. Uh, Falkus is coming after me, and he's finally with me because he disappeared through that entire Duskman's Carn. Like, he would run off and go, I'm going to go attack them. The. The bandit's in here, and I'm like, hey, good luck. <laughs> and he disappeared forever. I, I don't know where he was. He kind of got lost in the corner. After I came back out, he was there, and we decided to hike back to Whiterun because I had to continue the quest line. We had received the Shard of Wolfrag, and we were heading back into the Companions Guild. Upon uh, arriving back, I told him yeah you, you go up there i'm gonna, gonna do some shopping so i stopped by and i got rid of my last piece of uh light armor which was good because i actually looked over um and found lydia again because i went and grabbed her 
and saw she was wearing some dwarven gauntlets. I wanted them, so I took them and gave her my crappy light armor. I don't care what she wears, really. She didn't even put them on, so she didn't really want them either. I get on my dwarven armor, I sell off my leather boots, and I find a pair of magic steel greaves in the um, off of uh, the uh, first blacksmith spot in Whiterun. I can't remember her name now. Um, ran inside, found it. It was actually really neat because it has an enchantment to um, stamina. I think it had 15 stamina on it, which was awesome. I need more stamina. After I pick those up, I stop by my house and breeze run, drop off all of my useless crap. I actually sat down at the uh, at the alchemist table and started doing some alchemy. I don't know have, if anyone's actually done any alchemy. Have you guys messed around with the alchemy in Skyrim? Oh yeah, I. The way that I would test out ingredients was is I would just sit there and eat them. And when you're in that pause screen eating them, you don't see anything happening. So then, after, you know, 20 ingredients later, I exit that screen and I'm poisoned and I'm blinded and all my health's gone. I have no stamina and I'm kind of twitching and, oh yeah, I've, I've definitely played with the alchemies. See, this is a perfect uh, segue into kids don't do drugs. See what happens? <laughs> if you find a mushroom laying out there, don't, don't eat it. Just don't eat it. <laughs> yeah. Even though Skyrim says, oh, how do you learn what it does? Eat it. Don't do not do that, kids. Yeah, do not, do not attempt idea. to reproduce this. <laughs> so anyways, I, I made actually made, went through all my materials because I had actually been saving all my reagents. I think I made close to 50 different potions. I made a lot. So on my way back up to Companions Guild, I stopped by... Uh, the alchemist shop in Whiterun, and I just unloaded everything. I actually drained the merchant of money, bought health potions, because I needed those, because legendary, lots of them, and then I kept selling, because I uh, made a lot of conjuration potions. Tip, tip for anyone who needs to make some money, find out the recipe for, not health potions, because those are worthless, really. They don't sell for anything. But you want the potions that increase a skill, such as those that increase your conjuration or those that increase um, alterate any of any of those, because those sell for tons. So do the poisons, but I, I, I like to hold on to those. I like to uh, macro them to a key. I was telling Warren to do that. I macro my poisons to a hot button, so that way I can just quick tap and poison like my arrows or something that way right off the bat without having to go through the menu and it works really well oh how sneaky are you i see how it is it works if you put if you favored a potion or a poison and put it on your uh any of your hotkeys you just tap the hotkey and it applies it's really cool no i just meant applying a, a poison to your arrow i thought you were the the straightforward kind of guy picking up my kind of tricks now i see Hey, guy's got to do what he's got to do, especially on legendary. I mean, I'm I'm thinking like, you know, I would kick babies if it meant I could get through Dustman's Karn. But <laughs> so after doing that, I sold all that, um, bought actually a few poisons, and we went back in, and I was inducted into the Companions Guild. I love the induction in the Companions Guild where they do the whole speech 
with Farkas. I, I won't go into it word for word, but, you know, it's the whole, did he do his duty? Absolutely. I would be honored to, you know, raise my shield with him. It, it was pretty cool. And the first thing they did was they sent me off to receive Skyforge steel because apparently the silver sword I had been using was not very good. And when I got up top and found uh, to Ural and Greymane, who manages the Skyforge, he gave me a Skyforge sword, and that thing gave me, like, plus 11 damage. I was amazed. I'm like, I was expecting it to be on par, and then I looked at it. Plus 11? Oh, dear goodness. So I definitely kept that. But I will say this. For a lore-wise... One of the places I'm really looking forward to to visiting in the Elder Scrolls Online is the Skyforge. Hopefully it exists in the second era, but from what I understand is the Skyforge was there from the start. Because even the companion said we were here before Whiterun was built. And we built Yorvaskar close to the Skyforge because it was already here. So I'm really kind of curious if how... Like, I know Whiterun's very old. Um, I'm trying to dig into my lore here and see if Whiterun will be in ESO in, in some form or another, and I'm curious if the Skyforge will still be there. What do you guys think of that? Good question. I mean, yeah, I, mean I, I do remember reading or f- finding somewhere that White One, Whiterun was built around Yorvaskar. That was actually there before Whiterun was, so it will yeah. be interesting to know. Yeah, even in-game they say that, that Yorvaskar was there first, and the reason why they picked that was because of the Skyforge being there. So, like, one of the things that's really interesting if you dig into the Elder Scrolls lore is there's certain certain places that are around from even before uh, the recorded history, the Morethic era and things of that nature. I believe the Skyforge is one, the... Dureni Tower or the Adamantine Tower, as it's also called, is another place that has been around in Tamriel. Like the Adamantine Tower is the oldest known structure in Tamriel. It predates recorded history. So I know that uh, the same thing with uh, what is it? I think uh, Alduin's Wall, I think, was created in the first era. So that would actually. That will be available in Elder Scrolls Online because uh, Elder Scrolls Online takes place in the second era, I think year 438 or something like that. A couple, couple hundred years after the uh, beginning of the second era. So that would be really, really neat to see. Um, but yeah, so I got my Skyforge and I go down and I uh, have to pick up another Radiant Quest. So I pick one up from Ayla because I'm really hoping to marry her later on because I love Ayla because she's awesome. She is. She is the best looking female in Skyrim with the exception of Thais. <laughs> You're lucky there. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, she, uh, I mean, I did I did show you the cosplays from, from a couple people from her. She's definitely, her and Serana, I don't know who I've married if I had the opportunity to marry either one of them. Oh, Serana. I do love Serana. She's Serana's got more depth to her conversations and stuff than Ayla does. You know, a lot of people complain about uh, about the Dawnguard expansion and how annoying Serana. I thought she was amazing because you're right. Like her conversations, you can get in some real yeah. deep with her. Yeah, like, and it's like depressing. 
but like all the other ones are very mm, mm, yes yes grog like grog like right but no like serana is really really in-depth character like they really went in like when you open up her character man you get like 12 options it's amazing mm-hmm. and of course she's hot so even i would marry her well who doesn't love the uh the vampire girls anyway that's <laughs> story for another time after grabbing one from Mela, she gives me a quest, and I really don't know what the quest is, because I've already made up my mind that I want to adventure alone. I decided I'm just going to head east. Like, I picked a direction, and I decided I'm going to Riften, and I'm just going to see what's out there. Partly to start the Thieves Guild quest, yes, I play the Paladin, the Holy Warrior kind of character, but I also play one-handed swords, and I love the Nightingale sword. Again, stepping on my toes. What is this? Hey, the Thieves Guild is very hard for the type of playstyle because it's like, I don't sneak. My sneaking level's like one. You know, they're like, make sure you don't kill anyone. And I walk out, I'm like, here's, here's the uh, thing you wanted me to steal. Why is it covered in blood? Don't ask. <laughs> look, look behind me, like the building's on fire. You know, people are running out screaming on fire. There's rolled heads. I thought you said not to kill anyone. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said to kill everyone. Oh, my bad. My bad. I would be kicked out of the Thieves Guild very quickly. It, it's very hard to, to do all the bonuses stuff where they're like, don't kill anyone. Do I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> I'll try. Um, So I decide we grab Lydia because she's my current love and pack mule. And we head off towards Ripton, or at least where I think is Ripton. I actually strayed too far to the north and got in the middle of a bandit assault on White Watch Tower. There were like 20 bandits. It was insane. On Legendary, there were a lot of bandits. There were like three guards trying to hold them off. Well, where were your mud crabs to the rescue? I know! I, I, I tried to get them to come, but I don't know. There was a conference in town. I, I think it was a uh, ban Red Lobster conference or something like that. <laughs> so there were no mud crabs to aid me. I really wish there were. <clears throat> At this point, I had actually had to hop up on top of the, the fallen walls of this... Uh, fallen watchtower and tried to pick them off with arrows i got like one or two and then i had to get in there hand to hand uh with the other guards thankfully like two of the other uh white run guards were still alive at this point and lydia the beast that she is just charged in and started holding all all the threat from these guys and i was able to sneak up behind and i i got a really cool kill cam where I kicked one of the guy's legs out from behind. He fell down and I grabbed hold of his neck and slit his throat. Uh, It was really cool. We managed to actually beat off the bandit assault. I did not die. I was very happy about that. And I looked on my map and went, oh dear goodness, I missed the pass. I was kind of heading towards that uh, Valethum Towers, I think it is, because that's the pass that leads down into East March and then you follow that down south into Riften. And I started heading up north. I was actually close to the Pale at that point. So I had to turn around and head back south. Um, 
And on my way <clears throat> headed south, I found this not the sightless pit, but it was a shimmer shimmer mist cave. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good cave. That's you had a lot of fun there. I imagine. Ah. Uh, you know, this is actually where my story ends for the night is because this is where I left off because I was debating with myself whether or not I wanted to go in. I, I With how hard the bandits are on Legendary, I'm scared to death. of n- The Falmer are one thing, but the female caster Falmer are... Uh, I'm terrified of them, but they're not even the worst. I'm scared of the, uh, the, the cockroach monsters that are in there. What are they called? Uh, oh wow! Charos or something like that, or Charos, yes. Oh, those things wreck my day on a depth level. I don't want to go in there and face their acids. Yeah, those things suck. Yeah, uh, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna rape me, and I'm the, scared. The only way I was ever able to kill them without just dying because they're, they pick up on your stealth really well. Is I would have to go around corners. And just quickly get off a few shots. I would have to rely on my poisons and on... I would always equip the best arrows that I'm carrying. Because as soon as they hit you with that spit, you can't see. You don't know where they're coming. And then you've got like six. They are a gigantic pain. I think they put a damage over time on you too. That acid spit takes away your health. Yep. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to mentally prepare to go in there. Like that's why I haven't ventured any further to the east because I the type of I'm very methodical in my playthroughs. When I unlock a place, I have to clear it. But I'm I'm not sure if I can even handle this area, and I'm scared to go in. <laughs> hmm. But yep, you can do it. I have faith in you. You just want to watch me die again. This would be another two-hour Dustman's Corn. I really do. And I would enjoy watching you die. I'll sit in my chair and just watch you cry. There she is. She feeds on your tears. All right. Well, that ends my playthrough for this week. And Warren, now you're now, now it's your turn, buddy. All you right. want to... Want to tell us a little bit of what you've been doing in the Elder Scrolls universe, and uh, after you've done that, we can kind of—I know you're kind of not been at the bit here to talk about um, mods. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, um, I've been trying to think back because the last time I actually fully played Skyrim was about a year ago. Um, so I'm like, oh man, I didn't know I'd need a story. So I'm like sitting here trying to think of one. Um, so I'm actually going to do a two-fold thing, if that is okay with the host here. I'm going to do a mini story of one of the funniest stories that I remember from... Uh, you know you always have those things where you do something wrong and you don't know it. And you mm-hmm. just keep doing it thinking you're like, well, why isn't this working? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to say. And then I'm also going to talk a little bit, because um, I didn't see it in the show notes here, about my modding. Because I actually heavily mod my games and actually... Uh, when I was over at Jealous's house um, and we were playing Skyrim on my tower that I brought in with a projector in the living room, uh, you know, at, in the beginning we were getting some some crashes and and I, I think I had 140 mods installed. It, it was a lot. Your uh, your your Nexus manager was yeah, <laughs> pretty. Like, I looked up at him like, oh dear heaven. <laughs> yeah, like you could scroll for like you know you could scroll like five pages worth of mods and that's not even like. And so anyway. Um, so the story that I, want, I was going to touch on here, the one that I remember was kind of like, oh my gosh, 
you and everybody should remember if you played Skyrim, uh, at least for a little bit, you'll remember the quest in Markarth where you walk into the city and it's the Forsworn quest where they take you to jail right away. So, you know, you can say, I don't want to go to jail and fight them, but there's a lot of guards and you always have a bounty until you go to jail. So, do you guys know the quest I'm talking about? Yeah, I yeah. do. Yep. They, yeah. They put you into the silver mines. Yes, this is, yes, exactly. So, so I was like, all right, whatever, take me to jail. So they take you to jail. They take all your weapons, all your equipment. You pretty much don't have anything. Now, That's right. You're like naked in the mines with all these yeah. other prisoners. Yeah, I was terrified not- the first time I did that quest because yeah. I had Dawnbreaker. I think I had the yep. Mesa Molek Ball. I was dead. I and stacked. Normally, when you go to prison, you can pick out your cure again because it's in the chest. But because right. of where they put you, I'm like, yep. oh, what, what's, where's my stuff? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so I get sent there and I have no equipment at all. And I was stacked before him. And I had, I mean, I don't think I did this quest until I was at least level 40. So we're talking, I had a lot of skills, a lot of heavy equip. I was using the Nightingale bow. Regularly, I had, you know, all those perks. I had a lot of shouts. So I'm thinking, okay, now I'm, again, I'm always thinking about loopholes. I'm always like, all right, well, uh, you know, I'm always thinking in your real life and games and stuff, you know, how do I, how do I circumvent this? Maybe not exactly the most official way. So I think, well, I've still got magic and I've still got shouts. I believe I did. So, you know, I'm like, okay, so I, I went out of my cell and you had to like, you know, you had pickaxes, and, and I actually don't even know if I had one. No, I did not. Um, you know, so there's people mining and, and everything. So if I remember correctly, one of the quests I needed to do was get a shiv. So and I also needed to get some skooma. So one of the guys, um, I had to get some skooma from somebody and then give it to this other guy and then get a shiv from this guy. And here's where... I was just completely royally screwing up and had no idea. So there's a guard by the by the door. It's an orc. And he's sitting by the door and you know, he he's won't let you through and he wants a shiv and so I'm thinking, alright, so I keep trying to kill him with the shiv. I didn't realize that I needed to actually give it to him and and you know, go further. So I get the shiv and I immediately start trying to kill the guy and everybody turns on me and keeps killing me. So I'm thinking, okay, obviously I'm not powerful enough. So then I start looking through my magic, and I get out my bound bow. <laughs> and so I go up by my cell, and I crouch, trying to sneak, and shoot him with the bound bow, and start then get the bound sword out, and, you know, start going to town on all the people. And I keep doing this, and I get to the point where, you know, I actually, I think, was able to kill them all maybe once or twice, but I didn't know what to do after that. Um, and, you know, I went down the hall. I think I found the guy in the office. Um, but I don't know if he would talk. I forget. I don't think he would talk to me or something wouldn't complete because that part of the quest wasn't, um, you know, like hit. Like it didn't hit that uh, uh, marker or whatever. Right. So I eventually, you know, eventually figured out. I don't, I don't think I looked it up. I think I eventually just figured it out that I have to actually give the guy the shiv. And then, um, you know, and then go forward uh, to the guy down the hall and run out of the cave. So it was like, you know, I the whole time I was trying to kill everybody in the cave 
not realizing that I needed to actually do it as part of a quest. <laughs> right? It sounds like uh, Shawshank Redemption of Skyrim. The poor guy had the sisters yeah. after him. He needed a he needed a shim to protect himself. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I was just like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. So, um, but yeah. So there's that, and uh, you know. My favorite quest line, I'll just touch on real quick because that was a shorter story, um, was probably the College of Winterhold's quest line. Um, maybe only secondary, if not tied with the Thieves Guild quest line. Because my character that I play, I am a stealth archer in stealth assassin. So stealth is the number one thing uh, that I do or care about. And archery is also the number one thing as far as weapons go that I care about. And then one-handed is also another one, especially daggers. So my my equipment usually that I run with is I have Mayron's razor, um, and I run with a nightingale bow or some other very. Uh, what was the bow that you got? Um, uh, Oriel's bow. Oriel. Yes, Oriel's yeah. bow. So I either run with both of those or some over crazy overpowered customize that I smith myself crazy bow um, you know so there's that and then I also have uh, the blade of woe as well as marriage razor um, you know so that's kind of what I, I run with and and um, the staff of Magnus quest line I remember from the Winterhold that was that was really cool you know I was I, I played that quest line early in the game I think I was only like level 15 or something when I actually eventually got to the college and so you know, it was very, it was very cool, and and that was actually my first introduction to magic because I, again, I am I am a physical fighter, not a not a magic fighter. So you know, learning all of the cool, and that's actually I'll touch on this real quick. One of the coolest things about Elder Scrolls that I love. I am not a big MMO guy. I am not a big RPG guy, and you know, the games I play are mostly action based or. Uh, not really like Call of Duties, but just um, just mostly uh, stuff straightforward. And I, I also love RTSs. So for me to play Skyrim through like I did was uh, was good. And the magic actually hooked me into it really well. You know, I you had all these cool. You know, you could cast a blizzard or a meteor storm with your shouts, and and you know, it was just Skyrim did a really good job. And this is what I hope Elder Scrolls Online does of you know, making it appeal to every type of player. You had action, you had magic, you had physical stuff, bows, knives, uh, or whatever else, you know. So, you know, that that was like the biggest thing. And, and uh, one of my favorite perks was, um, what it, was it uh, whenever you completed the Thieves Guild quest line and the Nightingales, you got the, you could pick between the three, uh, um, the, three, the daily powers, yeah. Yes, yes. Those and the and the shadow power was awesome. I mean, it made you like invisible, pretty much. And for my for my for my type of character, that was uh, that was really cool. But anyway, so a couple of the mods actually had the list installed right now. I just reformatted my computer, so I don't actually have my Nexus mod manager full of the mods right now. Skyrim's actually temporarily installed yet. So you know, I just wanted to say. For people out there that have that are playing this on a PC, if you're still, I'm sure people are still playing Skyrim, but um, you know, 
And ENB, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about those, that actually affects the way that the world is drawn and uh, the visuals in the world. It actually affects everything from shadows to dynamic lighting to you know just, just the way the world looks. And you add that to some texture packs that are 2K, 2K and 4K texture packs. <laughs> A jealous will tell you that um, that it just looks phenomenal. It's just uh, it just makes the world look. You know, there's a mod out there that does 4K snow. You look on the ground and it literally looks like the snow you'd have in your yard. It is amazing. But um, but you know, there's also some cool immersion mods that I want to touch on before I finish real quick. Is you know, Frostfall. A jealous turned me onto that or showed me that and. That's one where you literally need to, you have to camp out, you have to, um, you know, you have to keep yourself warm. You know, you can build build uh, campfires and set up camp and sleep. And it's also very similar to realistic needs and diseases. And if you have both of those mods, you know, it it it, it turns the game into a, a it almost like how you would have to play it if you were really there in real life and right. and that's also one of the things about elder scrolls all of them uh that i love is that they're they're um you feel like you're there the immersion that bethesda is able to achieve is you know second to none in in my opinion um and so i, oh, hope, I agree yeah and i was just saying i hope elder scrolls online is able to, if not meet it because of the, because of the limitations of having server side calculations, um, can at least get very, very close to it. And I've never, never subscribed to an MMO, um, and ESO is going to be the first one that I do. So uh, I'm going to be playing with jealous a lot because I'm going to be lost and looking like an idiot probably. <laughs> Running but, into walls? No, no, right? no, no. Turn around. <laughs> But but my initial playthrough with ESO online, not not breaching any NDAs, was it was very it was very cool. It was very uh, you know the worlds are beautiful. Um, you know the the gameplay was really nice. Uh, you know and I think you know any of the issues that they had, they will refine and fix. And it's going to be a very very polished and uh, fun in a lot of different ways, game to play. So I'm excited for that. So, yeah. Right on. Um, I also have to make, uh, make a note of when you were over here, I got you to try legendary mode. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I about died in like two seconds on every, like, you know, I would take, I would go into a cave and, and I think, uh, I was able to kill like one person using all of my health potions. And there were three people left. No health, no food. I had one level up, so I think I was able to save myself with one more person, and then I was dead. I think I died like five or six times before I just went back to my normally what I do is I play on adept for the first ten levels, and then I will switch it to expert and leave it at expert until about level twenty-five, and then I'll go to master uh, from level twenty-five forward. Now I've never played it with Dragonborn with legendary. I never they didn't have legendary the last time I officially played so you know i probably will go up to that but i like to have a tiered uh a tiered um experience with my difficulty so oh yeah i just remember i was laughing my head off when you went down into uh i think it was 
uh, Bleak Falls Barrow and got attacked by the four or five skeevers, and they wrecked your day. Uh-huh. Yep. That was awesome. All right. Uh, that was awesome playthrough and awesome mods. Uh, I'm scared to death of his mods, though. Oh, and his introduction was he was showing me all these graphics mods and everything he had done. He did, what was it, Night Skies or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's Secunda. So uh, one of the mods I have <clears throat> is, um, oh, what was it called? It was, I'm trying to look through here, but I have like, uh, let me just search real quick. It was like Better Night Skies or something like that. I, I can't remember. Um, yeah, uh, hang on. Night. He'll look that up and yeah, I'll, I'll find continue it the story. I'll, I'll, it, I'll tell everybody later. So anyway, yeah, go ahead. That's all right. Um, but yeah, it was just, he's over here amazed. He's like, dude, just check out the sky. And I'm just sitting over there with my arms crossed and kind of have scowl on my face. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, where's Secunda? There's Master, but there's no Secunda. <laughs> the mod actually removed the uh, Secunda from the night sky, and you couldn't it was see Horizon, it. Horizon of Dreams is the name of the mod. Horizon of Dreams. I'm like, it's very pretty, but you just pissed off every Khajiit in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> you just lost their god. <laughs> so, yes, that's why he is the... Uh, hated by all Khajiit and the yeah. destroyer of Secunda. Yeah. All right. That, that, I had to tell that story because that, that just cracked me up. He was so excited to show me these mods, and I'm just like, where's Secunda? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we are going to move on to the dramatic reading of a book from the Elder Scrolls universe. Um, this is Thais's favorite part. This week, we've selected the book, The Last King of the Aliens, A History of the Fall of the Aliad Empire. I felt this would go well with our last show's reading, since the Aliads were the prime antagonist of the previous book. And uh, now, I present Thais's dramatic reading of The Last King of the Aliens. The author of The Last King of the Aliads is Herminia Sinna. The Aliens, or Heartland High Elves, ruled Cyrodiil in the long ages of myth before the beginning of recorded history. One of the earliest recorded dates, in fact, is the fall of White Gold Tower in the First Era, year 243, which is commonly assumed to mark the end of the Aliens. Although Aliad rule over all of Cyrodiil was indeed broken in the First Era, 243, this was only one of the most obvious stages near the end of a long decline. The first two centuries of the First Era saw increasing strife between the great alien lords of Cyrodiil. Alessia appears to have taken advantage of a period of civil war to launch her uprising. Imperial historians have traditionally attributed her victory to intervention from Skyrim but it appears that she had at least as much help from rebel Elliot lords during the siege of White Gold Tower. The popular image of the Elliots as brutal slave masters is based in fact, of course, but it is less well known that a number of the Elliot princes continued to rule parts of Cyrodiil after year 263. 
as vassals of the new empress of Cyrodiil. This suggests either the Aelid rule was not universally detested, or that Alessia and her successors were more pragmatic than is traditionally believed, or perhaps some of both. In any event, excavations at a number of Aelid sites show continued occupation and even expansion during the so-called Late Aelid Period, the first era year 243 to 498. At first, many Aelid lords continued to rule as vassals of the new human regime. In some cases, Aelid supporters of Alessia were even rewarded with new lands taken from slain enemies. It is not clear to what extent human slavery continued under the Cyrodiilic Empire. Humans continued to dwell in the Aelid ruled areas of Cyrodiil, but there is nothing definitive to show under what terms. This was an uneasy relationship from the beginning, and was not destined to last long. Resentment at the continued presence of Aelid nobles within the Empire was a contributing factor to the rise of the so-called Alessian Order, founded by Maruk. The first victims of the Alessians were the Aelids of Cyrodiil. In the early 300s, the surviving Aelid communities in human-ruled areas were obliterated one by one, the refugees temporarily swelling the power of the remaining Aelid lordships. Then, in 361, the Alessians gained control of the empire and enforced the Alessian doctrines throughout its domain. The Aelid lordships were abolished. Enforcement of this degree does not appear to have required much direct violence. It seems that by this point, the balance of power was so overwhelmingly against them, and their fate so long foreshadowed, that most of the remaining aliens simply left Cyrodiil, eventually being absorbed into the elven populations of Valenwood and High Rock. Indeed, the rise of the Dirini hegemony may be linked to this exodus of aliens from Cyrodiil, a connection so far little studied by historians. Still, a remnant Aelid population seems to have survived the role of the Alessians because we hear of the last king of the Aelids joining the Battle of Glenumbria. Glenumbria Moors, where the Dirinese decisively defeated the Alessians in 482. How this king's people survived the preceding century is unknown. We do not even know who they were, although recent research points to Nenalata, and the possible resting place of this last king. Unfortunately, in the current state of the empire, funds are no longer available for proper scientific investigation of such extensive ruins, so the answer to these questions will have to be left to future generations. That's awesome. I adored that book. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite ones that uh, I've ever read. Um, Besides the Dwemer, the Aelids are another one of those uh, civilizations that interest me in the Elder Scrolls because they no longer exist. And it's kind of unknown to an extent, more known what happened to these guys than the Dwemer. But there's still like whatever really happened to them. And I love that about the Elder Scrolls universe is they write enigmas into their storytelling. Things that they want people to wonder about. Every time I play an Elder Scrolls game, 
I want to know more about the Iliads. I want to know more about the Glimmer. But I, part of me never wants to know everything because I love that enigma that exists. So that, that's a fantastic book. Not to me. When it comes to Dwemer, I want to know everything. I love the Dwemer. I love exploring their ruins. I just, I dislike how there's not enough information. And every time I explore a Dwemer ruin, I, it just, it angers me that I don't know the full story. You know, if I may ask, and this is going to be a really dumb question, um, but... You know, when did the Dwemer die? Will there be Dwemer in ESO? Or is that a retarded question? Um, we don't know if they died. And no, it's not, because some people ask this. The year of dis- disappearance, whatever happened to their entire race, because their entire race disappeared from the face of Nern um, at the same time, with the exception of one, which you can find in Morrowind's There's one left, yeah. Yeah, but he even says that, I don't know what happened, I because the Dwemer were known to travel in other planes of existences, and that's what he was doing, but the entire race, all at one time, just disappeared from Nern. Um, but this happened during the first era, I can't remember the exact year, but it's early in the first era at the Battle of Red Mountain. So... Uh-huh. We're we're yeah we are a couple I think two or three thousand years since that happened if I remember my timeline. What was that? I'm sorry. In ESO or in Skyrim? In ESO. Oh, in Skyrim we're like six thousand years. Okay, what era is Skyrim in? (laughs) Skyrim is in the year two hundred of the fourth era. Fourth era. Okay. What what about uh, Morrowind and Oblivion? Morrowind. It, it, Morrowind takes place 400 years prior to uh, Skyrim and about yeah no 400 years 400 years prior to Skyrim and uh, Oblivion is 200 years prior to Skyrim so there's so, actually a long range of time between these 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 uh, events what eras are, there? are these all fourth era or all all Every single game uh, from Arena, Daggerfall, Morrowind, and Oblivion take place during the Third Era. Because the Third Era, essentially the, fir- the Merithic Era before time began was the, the ruling of the Elves. Not much is, uh, it, they don't say how long it existed, but you could say it went for a very long time. The only time before that was the Dawn Era before the existence of mortals. Uh, the first era officially begun with the Alessian Empire being created. That's when the first era began, was with the Alessian Rebellion and them forging their empire. So all the empires are actually the start, or the eras are the start of a new empire. The second era begins with the beginning of the Raymond Dynasty and ends with the coming of Tiber Septum, which does not happen for another three... Tiber Septum's not even born for another, like, 300 years in the time of Elder Scrolls, so... Online. So Tiber Septum comes, and when he unites Tamriel under one border, it's the start of the Third Era. It's the Septum Dynasty is the Third Era of Tamriel. When Oblivion ends, and how that story ends, the Septum Dynasty is gone... And that's why the fourth era begins, which is the era of the the Mede dynasty. So 
that's that's the how the the eras are broken up. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. All right. Now we're gonna skip forward for that little bit of a lore history for people, and we are going to move on to our community spotlight. Every week, I try to pick a a different community um, group within the Elder Scrolls community and give them a little shout out. And this week I wanted to showcase TamrielFoundry.com. They're an Elder Scrolls online fan site and forum dedicated to discussing mechanics, theory crafting, and writing guides for the Elder Scrolls online. Their website founder, Atropos, has a big presence in the Elder Scrolls community. He's often guest host on several podcasts throughout the community and was one of the first guys to give us a hands-on preview of, of uh, Elder Scrolls Online back in the day. He was invited to Zenimax uh, with several other big members of the community to play the early PAX 2013 builds, I believe. That's the build they were on. He uh, maintains the amazing website, and the moderation staff of this are pretty awesome as well. I know uh, Asari, a moderator on Tamriel Foundry, is a regular host of another podcast in the Elder Scrolls community. I won't mention it just yet because they may appear on a community spotlight later, but they but they are they are another weekly podcast for Elder Scrolls Online. If you hadn't had a chance to check out Tamriel Foundry yet, do yourself a favor, go out, make an account on the site, it's free, and join in on community discussions. They they have fantastic forums and uh, pretty up to date on the news and have nice articles. So uh, thanks for putting together such a, a great site, guys. It's really cool. All right, that brings us to the final thoughts and closing of our show tonight. Um, we normally would answer emails and stuff, but we haven't gotten any yet. I do want to, again, mention the awesome community um, community support we've gotten from our podcast, both on Reddit, on Emerald Foundry, uh, on the blog itself. Um, it, it's been fantastic. So th- thanks, thanks to the entire community for supporting us in this endeavor. Um, so we're going to start. Thais, what are your uh, final thoughts for the show? I really like that book that you picked. That is my favorite part of the show. I, I love reading those books, although some of the words are a little difficult. <laughs> Even after I read through it and I practice with the words, I still get choked up on occasion. I'm, I'm excited for... I'm, I can't wait to receive my Imperial Edition. I know I'm going to be freaking out when it gets here. I'm going to be shooing all my cats away from my box since we have a lot of cats. It was it was a good show. It was. I'm glad that we had our guest host Warren with us. Thank, Thank you for joining us. So yeah, it was it was a good show. All right, and that comes in here to uh, Warren. Thank yeah. you uh, for guest hosting with us tonight, dude. You did awesome. Anytime you want to have me, just let me know. All right, awesome. Now you want to go over any thoughts you've had for the show? What you thought of the show? How you know anything you want to want to talk about, or if you have anything you want to um, shout yeah. out to, go for it, man. Anybody who is listening who hasn't subscribed yet, you better subscribe. Um, you know, also at the end of the show, you know, they'll answer, you know, answer any emails. So feel free to, you know, if you have any questions or I, I can vouch for jealous is, is, um, 
he knows his his Elder Scrolls history and his lore and everything like that. You know, if I ever have a question of anything, I go to him. Um, and, it, and, you know, my favorite part of the show is, is you know, going over, like, the game news is also good because it, it kind of showcases what's coming up and not what's in the past, uh, as well as the, the story time. So, um, you know, the story time is, is definitely fun. And, you know, hearing, hearing the stories is good, campfire style, as you say. Um, you know, as, as well as talking about uh, Elder Scrolls Online that's coming up, but no, and all the Imperial Edition perks, and and you know, I'm sure next week or in two weeks there'll be some other hot button news item that'll need discussed, and and um, definitely we'll be listening to this podcast to uh, to hear about it, and um, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much the gist. So you know, if you have any opinions as the audience, if you have any opinions on anything we talked about now or anything about Elder Scrolls Online or, you know, if you want to just email us and say, hey, uh, you know, I think this or that's a good or a bad idea, you know, feel free and and uh, may discuss it next time. So, yeah. Awesome, dude. That's so cool. And I want to thank both, you know, Ace and uh, Warren for joining me this evening. Um, as for myself, I this, actually, this is fairly long episode we just broke the two hour mark i'm kind of amazed that time flies when you're having fun all right yeah it, i think we had a really good uh discussion especially about the imperial edition and uh i liked having um warren's thoughts on on uh the game and stuff since like i said not they used to not come from an mmo background so things like uh exclusives and things like that are commonplace so hearing it from someone who doesn't doesn't uh subscribe to mmos and stuff like that it definitely helps us out gives us more of a uh diversity um otherwise this has been a fantastic show had a lot of fun and i want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast uh as warren said feel free to contact us with any questions comments criticism we definitely need that uh you can do so on our website for the show which is talesoftamriel.com or by emailing the show at talesoftamrielpodcast at gmail.com. You can email any one of the hosts there. We'll, they will all have the uh, access to the email, and we'll be able to get any of that, any of that stuff you send us. You can uh, follow the show on Twitter at Tales of Tamriel or on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Tales of Tamriel. Have a good evening, all.